Welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers on irishtalkers.com. Welcome Toastmasters, would-be Toastmasters listeners and friends to this week's segment two of the Talk Show for Talkers. We promised you a very special guest, and this guest is very special. This lady's name is Beatrice Freeman. And Beatrice, you're very welcome to the talk show for talkers. Thank you very much, Ted. Lovely of you to invite me. It's even lovelier, Beatrice, that you were able to make it today. I'm so delighted. Beatrice, what's the name of your club? My Toastmasters Club is Wharf Speakers in Canary Wharf in London. Division. All right. And district? District, uh... 91? Is that district or is that division? That's district, district 91. And division? District 91 and division? I do not know. <laughs> okay, we, well, we, we shall do research on that. The three of us, Beatrice, are in district 71. So we're your neighbours just over the border oh, from London. That's lovely. What we ask all our guests, Beatrice, are five particular questions all about Toastmasters. What it is really, it's about your journey in Toastmasters. The trick is that you don't know when the questions are coming at you, such as I asked you two questions already, what division, what club. I asked you a third question and we're looking for the more researching exactly what division you are in. But my first question to you would be, what brought you to Toastmasters? Thank you, Ted. What brought me to Toastmasters was my fear of unprepared speeches. The absolutely crippling fear of impromptu speech. I have been speaking in my life quite a lot as a clean stand-up comedian, as an opera singer, well, in the spoken bits of, of operas, and I even have a an award from the Professional Speaking Association for after-dinner speaking, but I could only do prepared and well-rehearsed speeches. If you asked me a question about anything that I have not prepared, I would go red in the face. I would start sweating. My nose would go really cold. Terrible. And that's what Toastmasters have helped me with. Incred incredible. And you sound so competent. And, you know, you are obviously very competent. And when you take into consideration what you do, a stand-up comedian, an opera singer, speaking after dinner, for you to come on here and say that you have this fear, or at least you had that fear of public speaking, in incredible. Sometimes we don't realise, and we're in the time of wearing masks now, but that's a mask that lots of us wear. It certainly is. And... Also, I'm an introvert, and people often think that an extrovert profession, like all of these that I have tried, requires an extrovert, but actually I am an introvert, and anything unprepared and unrehearsed is incredibly difficult for me. And with Toastmasters, I have been able to address this issue, especially in the lockdown, now that we've got the opportunity to take part in online club meetings, I have done 270 Toastmasters meetings in 46 countries, and I have practiced 
table topics, the unprepared speeches, every day. Superb. Brilliant, brilliant. That's brilliant. And in actual fact, Beatrice, what you're taking part on here now, and we have people listening and tuning in, what you're doing now is you're, you're answering um, questions that you haven't got. You, you don't know what the questions are. You have answered one day, superb. And what has been the greatest benefit to you? The greatest benefit of belonging to Toastmasters actually has been the sense that I am surrounded by like-minded people. It's very, very important at times when you lose your work, as me being a comedian, mm -hmm. haven't got any shows in business events because we haven't got business events. This opportunity to be in clubs surrounded by wonderful, wonderful Toastmasters, that really has helped me throughout the lockdown. That's beautiful, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's amazing, but sometimes out of the dark comes lightness and light. The pandemic, under no circumstances, are we trying to undermine it or anything for what it is? It's, a lot of people are suffering because of it. But it's amazing when you look for the light, you can see it, and the advantages that you can clock out of such a situation. Yes, it certainly is. I think Toastmasters as an organization is underappreciated. Would you agree with that? I because would. It's not being advertised. It's not being overhyped on, on social media. And not many people know about it, but the value that we get out of Toastmasters as members, not only to learn to speak better, to overcome the fear of public speaking, to, in my case, to, to learn to speak unprepared. But also, there's the community. There's this beautiful community of, of Toastmasters and the spirit of learning. Very supportive, but also critical enough for us to improve. In actual fact, I've said on many occasions that not because of the pandemic, but out of this pandemic has come this world camaraderie through Toastmasters. You've mentioned that you were in so many countries. Was it 42 countries, you said? You, you visited? 46 countries. 46 yeah. even. You visited 46 countries all over the world. So what an opportunity to unite the world. I have taken this opportunity to do something... I thought very clever, because as a comedian, I think I'm very clever. Mm -hmm. And I went to countries that are far away, far too hot and far too humid first. So I've been to 46 countries, but I am still, I'm, I'm yet to go to France. I'm going to France next week. What has been your biggest Toastmasters challenge? My biggest Toastmasters challenge has been to move from the icebreaker to the first speech. I found the idea incredibly difficult. To deliver an icebreaker is quite easy because you talk about yourself, you talk about your life. In your mind, you can't go wrong with that. Mm. Because, well, you can't. And the second speech for some reason, it, it was it was an incredible barrier for me to jump into producing a proper, proper speech. And I delayed it. I delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. 
And I thought, I first, I'm, I'm going to watch other people speak. And I watched them online every day doing speeches. And I was thinking, can I do it? Or can I not do it? And then I dared to do it. After that speech, I was able to do any other speech. And actually, in 10 months, I completed a whole pathway. <laughs> well done. Bravora to you. Bravora to you. Well done. That's excellent. Thank you, thank you. But but the biggest challenge was actually to do the first. Yes. That was so difficult. But your first speech, the icebreaker, um, effectively your icebreaker was your second speech, the way you speak about it, because lots of people would have a completely different point of view that you had, because lots of people say the icebreaker was the one that they really, even though they knew what their subject was, they were terrified of it. Ah, you see, here comes my professional background as a performer, as a comedian. I am used to breaking ice with people. Yes. But then to present a proper speech, that was much more difficult. I thought I needed to be incredibly accomplished and very speaker-like and cool. (laughs) Yes. Could I not make funny faces? Actually, my challenge was not to make funny faces when I speak. And that was a challenge, particularly as a comedian, yeah. So if you could, what would you change, if anything? In Toastmasters? In Toastmasters, yes. What could I change in Toastmasters? I think I would spend more time on marketing Toastmasters. Not many people know about it, and it still is a kind of a secret club. For what it is, we should make more noise about Toastmasters with great bravura. Go out and do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's hiding itself under a rock as well, isn't it? We don't make enough noise about it. And even when we do ask people, would you like to come to Toastmasters? They feel it's something where you stand up and raise your glass and say, I'd like to give a toast now. They don't realise what it is. No, they don't. No, they don't. You know? And I think the name also is a little bit serious. It, yes. But I have noticed in some other countries that people have shortened it to toasties. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Toasties? I don't really like toasties. It takes mm. away from the uh, gravitas. I that's true, too. And what keeps, even though you've answered this already and the other four questions, but what keeps you coming back to Toastmasters? Oh, Ted, I can't get enough of it. I have become a Toastmasters addict. This is so mm. terrible. I go every night, I go somewhere. And uh, I've been asked to do general evaluator uh, roles. I have now done... 34 general evaluators around the world. I think it, it appeals to my uh, sense of superiority. I like evaluating or meeting and making people fear what I am going to say at the end. So exciting. And then I always pick up a theme. Every meeting in every club has a theme that is running through it's not the theme they put on the agenda. There's always something about the club, which is always different in every club. What is it? Sometimes it's the sense of club, and sometimes it's a sense of balance between learning and being in the club, and sometimes it's just overwhelming warmth. 
Each club, I agree with you, has its own. We're all singing from the same hymn sheet, but each club has its own character. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's worth, it's worth going and visiting other clubs. It's wonderful. Before I jo joined my own club, that was before the lockdown, I actually visited, physically visited, 16 clubs. 16 clubs in London. Because you're choosy, you're very choosy. And how did you pick the club that you joined then? Did it make the biggest impression on you? Or? Well, I wouldn't call myself choosy. I would call myself curious. Right. And mm -hmm. it was lovely. Well, at first I thought I joined the club that gave me an award. Once I won table topics, I have no idea how I did it, but it must have been about opera. And I must have said something really meaningful. <laughs> Brilliant. But how I chose my club, would that be too silly to say? No, not at all. Tell us. I chose it for the view. <laughs> that's, that's gorgeous. That's beautiful. Where, where is it? On the edge of the White Cliffs of Dover? Actually, no. It's on the, it's on the 30th floor of Barclays Bank headquarters in Canary Wharf overlooking the Thames and Greenwich. It has the most gorgeous view of London. What a fantastic reason to pick a club. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're with kindred spirits because the three of us, both Paul, Maura and I, we are members of Blarney Toastmasters. And when we look out the window, the big window of Blarney Toastmasters, particularly from the end of spring coming up towards summer when we're about to close down as Toastmasters, we are looking at the Blarney Castle, home of the Blarney Stone. Oh, how wonderful. Gorgeous, beautiful. And you know that the Blarney Stone is part of the, of the Stone of Scone, where your monarchs are, I won't say Christmas, they're elevated to kings and queens. I see. Beatrice, I, I could speak, I could say speaking to you for the rest of the week. This has been a, a heartwarming conversation with you and I. Thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. And when you said earlier there that you must have said something very clever, it must have been about opera. You weren't asked to sing a song, were you? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Beatrice, and thank you, listeners and viewers. And we want you to come back tomorrow when you'll be listening to Mr. Paul O'Mani with his bravura hat on. Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website irishtalkers.com for more information.